Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. This is TalkSport Daily. Hello, I'm John Jackson and welcome to the first TalkSport Daily podcast of the week. We begin with more success for Team GB, who go into day 10 of Tokyo 2020 with their medal tally up to 32, 10 of which were gold. That comes after Charlotte Worthington's incredible display in the BMX women's freestyle and Max Whitlock becoming the first British gymnast to defend an Olympic title. He claimed victory on the pommel horse. Can't believe that's just happened. Thank you, everybody. It's been an incredible journey. Team GB, everybody. So grateful to have that moment with Scott on the floor and me. Cannot believe I'm coming home with a gold medal. Thank you so much for everybody's support. It means the world. It's definitely still not sunk in. I've uh, I spent a few years battling for this. I've never had a world champion title. I've been really close. So I'm, it's, I'm pretty proud to, to make it as an Olympic champion. BMX has been really strong throughout England for many, many years, and we've had a lot of favourites. And to, to come out of this Olympics already with four medals in BMX, there's going to be a whole lot of eyes on BMX in the future, and I think it's going to open up a lot more opportunities for people who want to give it a go. Swimmer Duncan Scott claimed a record fourth medal at the same games. That's one gold and three silvers for him. No Brit has ever won four medals in one games before. He's happy, but he thinks he could have done even better. I'm just delighted um, with the way the week has gone. You know, obviously I set myself really high standards and I want to try and compete against the best in the world. Some races have gone better than I anticipated and, and others certainly not. But um, no, I have to come away with the week. You know, I'm really excited. Adam Peaty will be returning home from the Tokyo Olympics with three medals, including two golds as part of Team GB's most successful ever swimming squad. Peaty got Britain's very first gold when he won the men's 100 metres breaststroke and he says it's just one of many highlights. 
I kind of found my form when the rest of the team started winning medals as well and that's what it's about. I think I will obviously remember the individual performances but going out there with the team, dominating as a team, you always work better when you're with other people to share those experiences with and uh, that's the beauty of the Olympics. Dina Asher-Smith's Olympic campaign may have come to an end in Tokyo. She was in tears after failing to reach the 100 metres final and revealed afterwards a hamstring injury rules her out of the 200 metres. Dina does still have hopes of running in the relay though. Former Team GB bronze medalist Kelly Southerton understands why Asher-Smith didn't mention her injury going into the Games. Soon as she says to people, I'm not fully fit, what's all the headlines going to be? So, like, that might create negative press. So she didn't want that, and maybe nor, nor her team. So she made a decision that was right for her. Um, some people might have felt a bit blindsided by that, and I can understand that, but she doesn't owe any of her fans anything, only her and her coach. So in that respect, it's, it's only sport. A player can go on a pitch and never be 100%. Most of them probably aren't 100%, but they don't reveal it, reveal it until maybe after or if something gets worse. I think... Her situation, she thought she could overcome it, but it just she just couldn't. So she tried and then revealed it. But I could understand why people say that. However, I probably would have erred on that her caution uh, and just, just kept it to myself. Away from the Olympics, Manchester City have opened talks with Aston Villa over Jack Grealish. The England midfielder has been heavily linked with a big money switch to the Etihad in recent months. So will he actually improve the City starting eleven, and will he go down as a Villa legend if he decides to sign for Pep Guardiola? We'll hear from former City right-back Danny Mills, Mickey Gray, Carlton Cole as well. But first, the former Villa striker, Tony Cascarino. It's Where would you play Jack Grealish? On the left, on the left. I think that's his best position by quite a distance for me. He has everything. And you might say, well, what happens with Sterling then? Yeah. But Sterling was left out at the end of last season. You know, Pep might not have the idea of how, you know, Gareth Southgate thought of uh, Raheem Sterling. Pep loves players who can keep the ball. You know, he doesn't want to lose that ball. He wants his team to keep it all the time. Mm. And there's, there's no debate. Jack can keep the ball. Back towards Grealish. Grealish taking it on. Goes down inside the box. And it's a penalty to England. There won't be as much focus on him from the opposition, you know, of, of trying to stop him. Manchester City could have a front line of a front five players, attacking players. You know, when, when he plays for Aston Villa, there's maybe two that the defence focus on. You know, you can't do that when you play against Manchester City. So he'll get more freedom. He'll get more room. He'll get more of the ball. You know, they'll have more possession. He'll have more opportunity to, to express himself. So without doubt, you know, he's going to go to the next level. The thing with Jack Grealish is, I mean, at Aston Villa, he's a superstar. He's their best player. People might question that and say Ollie Watkins or maybe somebody else. But I think over the last two or three seasons, Jack Grealish has been Aston Villa. No doubt about it. I think there's other clubs you can maybe bring into that conversation. Zaha, Crystal Palace, people like that mm. make Crystal Palace or Aston Villa better. Jack really certainly does that while he's at Aston Villa. Going to Manchester City, does he make Man City better? What I would say to that is he makes the squad better. Jack Grealish has just fired it into the top corner to ensure that his boyhood club are surely staying up now. Sometimes it's not about the amount of time that you spent at a club. It's what you've done. He's impacted the club in a, in a good way, obviously. They're in the Premier League. He stayed loyal to them when he went. He was going to go Spurs when they went down. But the thing for me, there's got to be more. There's got to be more to earn that title of a club legend. Now, no disrespect to Dean Smith, who's done a fantastic job at Villa and likewise at Brentford, but the lure of Pep Guardiola is an issue because he's one of the greatest managers of all time. Mm -hmm. So as a player, you think, I want to play under him. 
Arsenal midfielder Thomas Partey will need a scan on an ankle injury that he sustained during 2-1 pre-season defeat by Chelsea. Partey limped off during the first half following a tackle by Ruben Loftus-Cheek. There was some good news for the Gunners though as their new £50 million signing Ben White made his debut after he joined the club from Brighton. Former Gunner Perry Groves thinks that White has the talent to become a world-class defender. I actually think he has the potential to be as good, if not better, than John Stones and Harry Maguire in, in a couple of seasons' time. Not straight away, in a couple of seasons' time. And if Arsenal aren't a top club, then he could go on like to a, uh, a a massive foreign club even. Ben White had a very good season last year at Brighton again. And I think you've signed a very competent, um, very... And I, I, I say this because it, you get underrated a lot. Consistent player. Now, TalkSport's first Premier League match of the season will see Leeds United face their bitter rivals Manchester United on Saturday week. Leeds captain Liam Cooper says the fixture is massive for Marcelo Bielsa's men. That rivalry goes back years and years and, yeah, we're just excited to be part of it. Last year we didn't get to witness it, you know, full and the animosity in the stadiums, but I'm sure we'll get it this year. Times two, it's going to be unbelievable. going to have the fans back and, and that's a massive plus for us. Ellen Road's going to be full again. The away end's going to be full again and yeah, we can't wait for that. Even the, the last game of the season last, last year, you come out to warm up and you hear people screaming and it's, it's a shock. It's a shock to the system. We've been so used to, to playing behind closed doors with, with no fans and then you hear that noise and they're all there to watch you and yeah, because it makes the airs on the back of your next stand up. So now we've got that added incentive with the fans next season and I can't wait for them to experience the Premier League as well. The British and Irish Lions were overpowered by South Africa to level the Test Series with just one match to go. The visitors took an early lead, but the hosts scored two tries in the 27-9 victory in Cape Town. The whole series is exclusive to TalkSport, and after the game, head coach Warren Gatland conceded they had no momentum in the second half. Dumps it through, Lacanio, and can he get it down in goal? I think he might have done, he's dotted it down and gets it onto the floor just before the dead ball line in goal. And South Africa will have their second try of the game and we are level. Cape Town will see a decisive and third test match next Saturday to decide this series. The second half, we just didn't get anything really. Just got no momentum, no real opportunity to play. We got nothing at all from any sort of kick returns, whether it was us or them, and that was disappointing. And we probably given away some penalties. In fairness to them, they scrummaged pretty well in the second half, drove a lot, and got some reward from that. Yeah, so it was. Like I said, we were happy with the way that the first half had gone and we felt uh, going into half-time that carried well. We'd got some forward momentum and we just didn't achieve that at all in the second half. So how exactly will the Lions bounce back and win Saturday's decider live on TalkSport? But it's already got a bit harder as it looks like they'll be without prop Kyle Sinclair, who's been cited for an alleged bite during the second test. We'll hear from Lawrence Delalio, who was part of the squad when they won in 1997, former Lions prop Alex Corbicero, but first the legendary head coach Sir Ian McGeechan on what changes Gatlin will have to make. 
you know, he'll need to look at the back three because if South Africa get that control up front, then Faf de Klerk and Pollard yesterday were really instrumental in keeping control of the game. Kick pass out to the left-hand side by Andre Pollard. Looking for Mbappé! Mbappé will score! And I think up front, it was a battle that the Lions lost in the second half. The bench for South Africa really did become dominant. And if you're trying to control the game at half-back and midfield, it becomes difficult if you're if your forwards are under so much pressure. So I think he'll have to look at just parity in the set piece so the Lions have some platforms to really play off that they can get their own game going. Yesterday, tactically, they couldn't get themselves into the game on a consistent basis. And the throw, it's been stolen by Lou Diaga at the tail. Lou Diaga wins the ball for South Africa. Now, what can they do with it? The good thing is that the, the problems that they had in, in the set piece and the kicking game and the, and the breakdown are addressable in the space of a week. You know, I've I played against teams where we've been battered one week and, you know, the following week we lifted the trophy. So uh, against the same team. And, uh, but, you know, individually and collectively, there's got to be an honesty there that uh, you've got to show a bit more courage, a bit more bravery and, uh, and be prepared to suffer. South Africa playing the line out. They've got the catch, now they're going to try and drive it. They've managed to get Carl Sinclair, Maro Itoje and Alan Wynne-Jones sort of spat out the side of that one, so they're not really in position. If they can move the Springbok pack on the engage, they're in a good place. But at the moment, that's very rarely happening. And if anyone's moving, it's their second rows and feet that are getting adjusted. So they need to get their weight on the bind, get across the gap and just keep the squeeze on. I think if they can just take that strength away from the Springbok, they have a team that can beat them elsewhere in the game. I don't think rolling them off the park needs to be the goal, but it needs to be the mindset and the intensity they bring to every scrum to make sure that they're not going backwards or fueling the game plan of the Springbok. And for more from South Africa, check out the latest episode of the TalkSport Lions daily podcast. Now, England cricketer Ben Stokes is taking an indefinite break from the sport to prioritise his mental well-being and to rest his left index finger. He'll play absolutely no part in the upcoming series against India, which gets underway later this week. We'll hear from Steve Harmison and our cricket correspondent John Norman. But first, here's Stokes' teammate Ollie Pope on why the all-rounder will be such a huge loss to the team. Stokesy is one of, one of, if not the best all-rounder in the world, so you're always going to miss him if he's not playing, but obviously we're well behind him with that decision. Just to give you an idea, okay, forget this summer, let's get to September, middle of September. Traditionally, that would be the end of your cricketing mm. season, okay? You would have played from April all the way through to September, and you're deserving of a bit of a break. If you're a multi-format cricketer, you would have just played five test matches against India, Instead of a break, what the England players will have to do is step on an aeroplane and fly to Bangladesh and play, then fly to Pakistan and play, then fly to the UAE and play for six weeks in a World T20. That takes you up to the middle of November, right? So you still haven't had a break since April. Then they have to go to the most high-profile, difficult tour in cricket away in Australia, and they've got to do that till the end of January. That's, that's, I mean, that's impossible. When you also have to factor in, there's an IPL. Before that, they were playing in India. Something has to give. And unfortunately, it's the players because that schedule is never going to change. It's never going to get easier. 
because that is how cricket balls make money. You look at Ben Stokes, he's the biggest, strongest, toughest from a mental health point of view of being on the field, toughness point of view, mm. in overcoming situations and being in pressure, under pressure. But having somebody that suffered from clinical depression and anxiety myself, that's a bit like COVID. It's got no barriers. It doesn't mm. matter who you are. It's there. And it's, when it when it hits you, it hits you hard. And it's unfortunately, it's um, it's took a big name to, to hopefully realize, people realize what, um, what this COVID world of sport is all about. Well, that's it. Thanks for listening on the TalkSport app or wherever you get your podcasts from. There will be another one of these TalkSport daily podcasts out first thing in the morning and in the style of Andy Goldstein, but being very careful not to step on any of his intellectual property. Stay safe, everyone. Stay safe. That was a podcast from TalkSport. 